Hello and welcome to the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm Andy Viano. This week, my guest is staff writer Maggie Dresser, who put together this week's cover story far off Broadway about a group of talented, respected, and still working actors and musicians who have decided to pack up from the big cities and move to the Flathead Valley because national productions and performances have shut down almost everywhere due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Maggie will talk about some of the actors and performers she met for this story, what their arrival means for the local art scene, and why they won't have to give up their Broadway careers just because they're relocating to Montana. After that, I'll run down the biggest stories from the last seven days, including the latest on the COVID-19 outbreak in Flathead County. But first, a reminder that this week's episode and all of the work we do with the Flathead Beacon is made possible in part by the members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Club members can pay monthly or annually to support our work, starting at as little as $5 a month, and sub-subscription levels are eligible for bonus perks, including a copy of one of our Glacier National Park prints. To learn more or join the club today, visit BeaconEditorsClub.com. All right, let's turn back to the arts and to this week's cover story, Far Off Broadway, which you can read now in the Flathead Beacon or at FlatheadBeacon.com. And it is my pleasure this week to be joined by my co-worker, Flathead Beacon staff writer Maggie Dresser, author of this week's cover story, Far Off Broadway. Maggie, thank you so much for coming up and doing this. Thanks, Andy. So for folks who haven't read this story yet, can you uh, explain what this is all about, what you set out to uh, to cover and write about this week? Yeah, um, so I was talking to Luke Walrath um, over at Alpine Theater Project, and he was telling, I was chatting with him about a different story, and he just was telling me that there were a bunch of Broadway actors moving from New York City and L.A. Uh, after the pandemic happened. I thought that was interesting, and he said it was a trend that's happening in the Flathead Valley. Um, so I went out and spoke to a few of them to see why they moved here. Um, and what they're doing here. I want to ask you about that in a second, but it, it's funny that you you bring up Luke and that that's where this story came from, because he and his wife may be the, the original trendsetters, right? They were, uh, were some of the first who decided to relocate here to Northwest Montana after their own acting careers. Yeah, they moved here in 2002 and started um, the project uh, in 2004. There's been like a slow trickle of people coming from New York City um, and bigger cities uh, ever since. And then it was just kind of exponential this uh, this fall. I assume then that that is related to the uh, the pandemic we've all been living through for the last nine months. Why did that push some of the folks you talked to to make the move and decide to to relocate? Um, so all of these people have had ties with Luke um, and ATP. He's hired them for various shows over the years, and they come out and help with the kids' camps in the summer. So they've all been out here. And then when they lost all their work this year because of COVID, they really didn't have any reason to stay in those big cities in New York City and L.A. So... They just pulled the trigger and moved here because they loved the area and they were still working with ATP 
throughout the pandemic and they lost all of their other gigs. So this was their only work. Does that mean that the people you talk to have kind of put an end to their acting careers even because there is no work or do they, they think they'll be able to continue going while being based still here in, in Kalispell or Whitefish? No, um, I don't think they would have moved here if they were going to be compromising their careers in any way. Um, they're pretty much just calling the Flathead home base. And once COVID and the pandemic is over and they get work again, they'll just fly to L.A. or New York City or wherever they have shows um, and keep doing that and then just come back here when their gigs are over and then work for ATP while they're home. So I guess what's so interesting about that is, you know, does it necessarily mean that the only reason this is possible for them to move here is, is because of the pandemic or, or when you talk about it that way, and I guess we mentioned Luke and, and his wife, Betsy Morrison earlier, it, was it just the push that, that made them make this move and, and sort of the whole time it's been something that they, they could have done, but I guess just never really thought to do. Yeah, um, for a lot of them, it's been in the back of their minds for a while since they've come out to live here, or I mean to move here, um, and they see what Luke has done and people like Erica Von Kleist and people that have made that move prior to the pandemic. But now that the pandemic's happened, they're like, why Why not? What does it mean for the the community? And you mentioned some of the, the kids' classes that, that ATP holds. What does it mean for for the people here to have performers of this caliber and as many of them as are here now in their backyard? So since there's so many of them all in one spot now, ATP is actually expanding, trying to expand their program and have an after school program that's more consistent and full time and year round um, because they have all these full time professional actors and musicians here that can teach them all the time instead of just in the summer when they come out to visit um, and stuff like that. And they're doing stuff on their own too. Like they're doing voice lessons privately. Tracy McDowell, she was one of the actresses I talked to. She's been helping students fill out college applications that want to go to school in New York city and places like that. And they have these direct connections now. Yeah. I, I've got to think like if I were uh a kid or a high schooler who's thinking about trying to make a go of a of a career on Broadway or, or in this field in some other way. It's a, a pretty amazing opportunity to come from from a town of this size and an area of this size to get that type of education. Yeah. Um, I mean, rural communities generally don't have access. Um, and a lot of places just have community theater and that's it. Some rural areas, but we have a pretty top quality uh, network of people here now. I want to ask you a little bit too about just sort of zooming out what the last nine months or so have been like for you. I think we talked probably back in March when the, when the pandemic first started uh, about some of the work you were doing on, on how production companies were, were adapting back then. It's nine months later, we're still in the pandemic. What what has this job been like for you on a on a beat that's been so affected by the restrictions and and the the I guess fears for public health as we we continue to move through this? Well, there wasn't much going on for a while. <laughs> it was hard to come up with arts pitches. <laughs> um, 
But a lot of people in the community have been trying to make it work. Like ATP has continued doing shows this whole time. Um, they did a virtual uh, performance of Young Frankenstein, like right when the pandemic hit. So everyone's just been pivoting. It has been difficult, though. <laughs> um, there's a lot of like just solo projects going on. I've noticed because people can't really collaborate as much as they used to be able to. Yeah, there's a lot of new music coming out because people are stuck at home and they can do that. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are the the artists and other folks in this community doing? I know you brought up Erica Von Kleist, who I, I think at the start of the pandemic, too, created uh, an organization to help raise some funds for musicians who, who weren't able to perform. How are the people that that you know and you talk to holding up now in, in December after months of, of being out of work? Um, I mean, for the most part, everyone is still kind of out of work. But like here, since we still have a little bit of a bar and restaurant scene in comparison to most states, like musicians are performing like at breweries and stuff. But, you know, they're not doing those late night shows at the Northern and stuff like that. And Under the Big Sky was canceled last year and hopefully it's not again this year. So everyone's just hanging on. Artists are generally pretty resilient people because they always have contracts and stuff and sometimes stuff falls through so they just have kind of a a job that's always they have to adapt to anyway so they're they're a resilient group of people for sure well maggie it's a great cover story this week I urge everybody to go check it out far off broadway uh nice work and thank you very much for uh, for chatting today thank you andy Again, you can read Maggie's story at flatheadbeacon.com right now, or you can do it by picking up a copy of this week's Beacon, available for free throughout Northwest Montana. Now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 10 p.m. on Tuesday, December 15th. For the first time in months, the rate of new COVID-19 infections in Flathead County is trending downward, with 1,354 new cases reported in the first 15 days of December, an average of around 90 per day, or about 30 per day fewer than in November. Accordingly, hospitalizations from COVID-19 are also on the decline, with just 20 people hospitalized as of December 15th, compared to 39 on November 30th. The good news does not, however, mean public health officials are celebrating. The new Flathead County Health Officer, Joe Russell, told the Beacon he is greatly concerned about how people will behave during the holiday season, urging residents to gather in very small groups and refrain from attending any large public gatherings, particularly without wearing a face covering. Statewide, rates of new COVID-19 infections have also dropped, although new deaths do continue to be logged. 826 Montanans have died from COVID-19. In more encouraging news on the coronavirus, the first doses of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine arrived at Kalispell Regional Healthcare on Tuesday, one of 10 major Montana hospitals that were sent 975 doses of the vaccine by the state health department. KRH says it will begin distributing to healthcare workers on Thursday, with additional doses expected to arrive in the coming weeks. In a fact sheet distributed by the hospital, they said employees will have the choice of whether or not to receive the vaccine, 
a move that follows CDC recommendations. KRH is storing the doses in a large ultra-cold freezer that can safely store as many as 26,000 doses of the vaccine at negative 112 degrees Fahrenheit. A COVID vaccine is expected to be available for the general public by late spring or early summer. Elsewhere, the Ranch for Kids, a therapeutic treatment center in rural Rexford, has had its license permanently revoked more than a year after the Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services removed 27 children from the facility amid allegations of corporal punishment and rampant abuse. Last week's decision to permanently revoke Ranch for Kids license was released along with a litany of new disturbing allegations, including that students were hit, kicked, body slammed, and spit on by staff members, and that kids are forced to make 15 to 20 mile walks in harsh conditions on Forest Service roads as a form of punishment. The facility billed itself as a haven for troubled children from around the world, especially Russia, many of whom were affected with fetal alcohol-related issues. And finally, the notorious 519-foot-long Bridge to Nowhere on Flathead Lake is one step closer to being demolished after a Flathead County District Court judge laid into the bridge's owners for failing to comply with a prior court order to remove what the judge, Robert Allison, called a, quote, foolhardy boondoggle. The bridge west of Big Fork was permitted by county officials in 2011 and has been the subject of legal wrangling nearly ever since. Allison previously ruled the process for granting the permit was illegal, in part because county officials determined the vehicle bridge was not a road, and he declared the permit invalid, a ruling that was upheld by the Montana Supreme Court last year. The bridge's owners, Jolene Dugan and her father, Roger Sortino, had asked Allison to give them more time to remove the bridge due to financial strain related to the COVID-19 pandemic. That's our show for this week. You can read more about all of these stories for free at flatheadbeacon.com or get them delivered straight to your inbox every weekday by signing up for the Daily Roundup, which you can also do at flatheadbeacon.com. Until next week, thanks for listening.